Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Hey there, I'm Kyle Trigstad, politics editor for Bloomberg Government. And I'm Greg Giroux, senior elections reporter for Bloomberg Government. Check out our podcast, Down Ballot Counts. Each week, Greg and I will be breaking down all of those down ballot elections that make up the fight for the U.S. Congress. Listen and subscribe to Down Ballot Counts from Bloomberg Government wherever you get your podcasts. Today on Parts Per Billion, we'll be talking about the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg her sometimes overlooked environmental legacy, and why she wasn't always guaranteed to side with environmentalists. Hello and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. When you think of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? If it's not that movie that came out about her a few years ago, then it's almost certainly gender equality. That was her signature issue during the nearly three decades she was on the Supreme Court, but you don't serve that long on the court without encountering a whole host of other issues, and she definitely made her mark on environmental law. So today, after her death last week at the age of 87, we're going to examine a few of the environmental cases Justice Ginsburg heard and also what her absence on the court could mean moving forward. We spoke with Ellen Gilmer, a reporter at Bloomberg Law who covers litigation and the courts. She says Ginsburg didn't just hear a few environmental cases here and there. She was a key player in this area of the law. Yeah, I mean, she has made uh, a lot of really significant contributions to environmental law, uh, of course, because, you know, she is a Supreme Court justice and, and all of them end up touching issues um, that are really important across various areas of law. So for Justice Ginsburg, we have this collection of, of really important cases that, you know, where she authored the majority opinion or she played a significant role. And the main one that people think of um, when they think of her contributions to environmental law is a case called Laid Law. And that's a case where after many years of the court kind of narrowing environmental standing, which means like uh, what you have to show to get into court to bring an environmental case. She was known for really caring about standing and the procedure issues. That was something that she was really, really uh, uh, passionate about. That's true. And in this case, you know, after the court had sort of narrowed um, environmental standing or made it a little bit more difficult over time for environmentalists um, or just like neighbors um, who are opposed or who are affected by some kind of pollution to, to come to court about it. Um, Justice Ginsburg authored this really important opinion, Laid Law, um, that started to broaden that out again. Uh, it was just a little bit more accommodating um, 
made it not quite so difficult to get into court. And I think that was really one of her biggest legacies. And there were kind of layers of other legal issues uh, within that case. So it's cited um, in in legal briefs when you're talking about other things, like whether a case is moot. But that environmental standing issue was, was really critical. Yeah. Let's talk about another case, uh, EME Homer. Um, what was that case about? That was one where she wrote the opinion in the majority, and I get the sense it was it was pretty important too. It was really important and really interesting. Um, a fun fact about that case: so this had to do with EPA's um, regulation, uh, a regulation for cross state air pollution, which is like air pollution that drifts across state lines. Right. Um, and EPA had this pretty innovative approach for addressing that and addressing like the pollution coming from upwind states. And the D.C. Circuit struck down the rule, and that was a decision authored by then-Judge Kavanaugh. Oh, I think we, uh, we, we know where he is now. Yeah, so then it went up to the Supreme Court, and in a majority opinion uh, written by Justice Ginsburg, uh, Kavanaugh was reversed. It was his only time being reversed by the Supreme Court. So it's a really significant case in a lot of ways. I wonder if he remembers that. I'm sure he remembers that. Uh, I'm sure he remembers that. And so that program was salvaged by the Supreme Court, and uh, EPA is still using it today. And, and um, you know, it's kind of been through various stages of, of application and, and um, some, some adjustments, but uh, it's a core uh, program that EPA uses to address cross-state air pollution. And, and I imagine that's a really big deal in the Northeast and in smaller states uh, where, you know, obviously there's no way that you can you know, let's say Rhode Island can't regulate the the air pollution that's coming from any of its neighbors. Um, you know, so I, I, that has to be a, a, a big deal out there, right? Yeah, it's a it's a big deal for for any kind of downwind state that's dealing with big industrial facilities that are beyond their regulatory reach. So Justice Ginsburg was known as one of the the sort of champions of, of liberal, um, you know, judicial philosophies in the. The last few decades, she was, uh, you know, appointed by President Clinton. Um, but, you know, we had an article on our site from Richard Lazarus, the environmental lawyer, who said that she wasn't a guaranteed vote for environmentalists. You had to really earn her vote. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and maybe about a time when she ruled against environmentalists on, on the court? Sure. And and that's definitely true. All of these cases are that go up to the Supreme Court are very fact-specific. And um, and Justice Ginsburg was uh, always pretty uh, eager to jump into the weeds of things, and and uh, that meant cases cases went out a lot of different ways. A really good example of uh, of where she didn't side with environmentalists was a case called American Electric Power, um, and in that case, uh, it had to do with states trying to sue energy companies over climate change using what's called federal common law. And what the court said, um, it was a unanimous opinion, so it's not like Justice Ginsburg was out on her own on this, but what the court said in the opinion she wrote was that uh, the states couldn't couldn't use federal common law in this way because the federal government was already regulating in this space through the Clean Air Act. Um, so that kind of displaced this legal tool that otherwise would have been available. Let's break that down a little bit more. So it sounds like what she was saying, and I guess what the other eight justices were saying, uh, was that, you know, if a state is harmed by climate change, and that harm is caused by another state, they can't 
sue just based on you know regular kind of tort law am i getting that right it, it has to you know be a clean air act issue well so what we're talking about here isn't state versus state it's it's like states versus industry oh okay but otherwise yeah it's basically that you know the federal government has a whole agency and a whole regulatory program that's designed to address this issue and therefore you can't you know allege under federal law that uh you know this industry is causing a nuisance or something like that Speaking of climate change, we're going to get into how cases around climate change may be decided differently without Ginsburg on the court. But first, we're going to take a very short break. Stay with us. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart that means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. We are talking today with Bloomberg Law's Ellen Gilmer about the legacy of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg when it comes to environmental law. I asked Ellen whether it's possible that without Ginsburg on the court, Massachusetts v. EPA could be overturned. Uh, one of the cases that uh, Justice Ginsburg ruled on was Massachusetts v. EPA. Uh, in that article that we referenced earlier, Richard Lazarus called that the most important environmental case that has ever come before the Supreme Court. She ruled on that. Um, what is the future of that case uh, now that she is off the court? Uh, is Could Massachusetts v. EPA be overturned? It's, it's possible. It's possible it could be overturned someday. Uh, what's more likely is that it could be narrowed, um, kind of chipped away at. And actually, let's, before we talk about that, let's talk about what the case actually was. Um, this was a case where um, the, the state of Massachusetts was suing the Bush administration, the George W. Bush administration, saying it had to regulate climate change, right? And they won. And, and what the court said was um, kind of two key points. First was that these states had standing to sue. So that's a big deal um, that they could even sue over climate change. Uh, and second, uh, and, and this is the part that's most remembered, that, uh, you know, the court said uh, if EPA determines that greenhouse gases um you know, endanger the public and, you know, human health and the environment, then the Clean Air Act requires it to regulate. Um, so that is the core of, that's the foundation of all of EPA's climate regulations under the Clean Air Act. 
it's been a it's been a target for some in conservative legal circles um, for a long time because they think the Clean Air Act was not designed uh, to address greenhouse gas emissions. Certainly, greenhouse gas emissions weren't in mind when the Clean Air Act was drafted, and so they don't think it should be used in that way. So if the right case makes it back up to the Supreme Court that presents those questions squarely like for the court to address again, that gives the court an opportunity to revisit Massachusetts v. EPA, it's certainly possible that um, you know a more conservative court would overturn it. And, and like I said before, it's more possible that, that it's more likely that they would just kind of narrow it. That makes a lot of sense. And it, it does seem like that's in general, the way that the Supreme Court has been operating the last few decades, that they rarely overturn old cases, but they often chip away and narrow and and kind of slowly rein them in, you know, if they, they, but they, but it's, it just seems rare that they come out and say, like, that case that we decided 50 years ago, that's, that's no longer law. Right. And they, and they definitely do sometimes, but um, they try to be careful about it. Uh, that's a, a, a key principle uh, of the Supreme Court is stare decisis, which is kind of respecting precedent. And the chief justice in particular uh, cares a lot about that and likes for change to happen very slowly. Um, but, you know, if with a, with six, you know, conservative-leaning justices on the court, that whole dynamic could change. So uh, I wouldn't expect to see dramatic changes right away, but but we could certainly see more incremental changes if those cases make it up there. Finally, uh, let's talk about this term. Um, At the moment, we have eight Supreme Court justices, so we could potentially have some 4-4 ties. Are there any uh, cases that are coming up this term, environmental cases, uh, especially in the first part of the term, that could be affected by Justice Ginsburg no longer being on the court? Nothing major. Uh, The first, actually on the first day of oral argument, there's an environmental case uh, that has to do with water rights, Texas v. New Mexico. And it's not expected to split on ideological lines. So no big impact there. Um, There's another case in November that has to do with FOIA, um, but it affects uh, Endangered Species Act records. Uh, it wasn't, it, you know, it's it's a little unclear how that case is going to shake out because it's really FOIA law and not environmental law. It wasn't expected um, that, you know, Justice Ginsburg would have provided the pivotal vote on that. So likely no big change there. And it's really a light environmental docket so far for this term. Um, the justices are going to add more cases to their calendar and, it might be a little bit harder. I mean, they might just grant fewer cases because it takes four votes um, for the Supreme Court to grant cert on a case, um, to agree to hear a case, and you might not, you might not see them taking up quite as many cases as they had before until they have that full complement of nine justices. Yeah, and I and I wonder. I mean, there's no way for us to know because what happens in the the Supreme Court stays in the Supreme Court uh, often, but. I do wonder if there might be some cases that the conservative justices would have granted, uh, but now are going to hold off on granting because they think they might, you know, have a better chance of of ruling the way that they want to rule once they, uh, you know, get a new justice on the court. If there may be some strategic grants or strategic denials there. It's possible, um, especially on issues where uh, Chief Justice Roberts has been a little more leery of of big changes, Um, for example, on uh, some administrative law issues. 
if you had a more conservative member of the court added uh, to the bench uh, after a nomination process, um, then you could see maybe four of them getting together and saying, like, now we really want to tackle deference, or now we really want to tackle the non-delegation doctrine. These are a couple of issues that are really hot in administrative law circles and constitutional law circles. So so that's possible, uh, knowing that they would have uh, not have to think about you know, the chief justice may be defecting <laughs> that maybe they would be interested in, in taking those up. We'll see. And I also have to imagine that they, if they can avoid it, they don't want a 4-4 tie. I know they, 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 the court really hates it when they take a case, they do all the work, the clerks write the briefs, they hold oral arguments, and then they just come up with a 4-4 tie and then it's like it never happened. You know, they probably want to avoid that, right? Yeah, they they definitely want to avoid that. Um, it's it, it has happened. Um, the last environmental case I can think of where that happened uh, was a big tribal treaty rights case that affected fishing in the Pacific Northwest, uh, the tribe's treaty right to, to fish. And it, uh, it, it was a 4-4 tie because Justice Kennedy kind of at the last minute was like, oh, shoot, I need to recuse myself from this case. Whoops. <laughs> so it ended up 4-4, and they upheld the decision below, and it was a big win for tribal treaty rights. Um, so y- y- those are situations that, that are kind of rare, and they like to avoid. Um, there was another one that happened when uh, there was, before Justice Kavanaugh was confirmed, they heard a case that had to do with property rights, uh, called Nick, and it had some impacts on environmental issues, um, kind of farther out ripple effects on environmental issues. And in that case, they actually held um, or they called for additional briefing uh, because they, you know, probably wanted to have that that ninth justice on the bench uh, to consider those issues. That's it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check out our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergenvironment.com. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself and Josh Block. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The music for today's episode is A Message by Jazar and Nightwalk by Paolo County and Benoit Medrakowski. They were used under a Creative Commons license. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Those nine justices in Washington, they can be pretty hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week accounting of the Supreme Court. The filings, the arguments, the opinions, and much, much more. So check in on Fridays with Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon at the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. 
Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.